just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Sunday. I think I've told you before that Sundays and Mondays are probably the hardest shows to do because during the weekend there's so little going on, at least no new stuff is going on. So it's hard to try to cover things that I haven't already covered. Mondays are hard too because I do it early in the mornings and we haven't seen all that's going to happen on that Monday. Now, the good news is that at 1 o'clock um, Eastern Time, the January 6th committee is going to make a presentation and the shit is going to fly. So what I'm going to do for Monday for tomorrow's podcast, um, I'm going to record a podcast with a guy we had on the show at one point. He was very popular. He has his own podcast. His name is Tony Michaels. Now, he's a guy that talks a lot and swears a lot. Who knew you guys would like that, huh? <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to record something with him later today that will air early tomorrow morning. But with all that's going on on Monday, after we see how some of this shakes out, I'll probably do something again in the afternoon with regards to the podcast. So... We'll be keeping you abreast of what's happening and, and, and how it's going on. And, of course, we've got this podcast today. We're going to go over a bunch of different things. I wanted to talk about something to start out the podcast, an area that I wouldn't normally get into, and that is sports. And the reason I get into sports, and I'm only going to do it briefly, is because we had something remarkable happen today in sports. And I happen to live in the town where this team that had this remarkable day is from. And I'm a lifelong fan of the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, on Saturday, um, rallied to make the biggest comeback in NFL history. As I've said, I've been a lifelong Vikings fan. I've been kind of iffy about them this year. They've got a great record, no question about it. But they always seem to get lucky or just pull things out in the end. Just once, I'd like to see them dominate a team and just win outright. But we haven't really seen that this year, and that troubles me. Because when you get to the playoffs, you may not be able to get so lucky anyway. People are all excited about uh, the Vikings winning 39-36, to 36, I think it was. At halftime, the score was 33-0. The Colts were leading the Minnesota Vikings. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw that, I knew where this was fucking going. I didn't really pay attention to it until the last five, six minutes of it. And then, of course, we know what happened. Somehow, some way. The Minnesota Vikings came back, took it to overtime, and won the game again for the biggest comeback in NFL history. Now, I know a lot of people are excited about that, and it's kind of cool that they did that, and a win is a win. But honestly, it doesn't make me feel more comfortable about the Vikings. It doesn't make me feel more confident. I mean, they were down 33 to nothing in the first half to a team who really isn't that great. They should have handily beaten the Indianapolis Colts. But instead, at halftime, they're down 33 points. What the fuck happened in the first half? I mean, it's great that they came back in the second half, but what happened in the first half? Why didn't the, the defense not perform? Why couldn't they score any points? It's a big deal, I know, and people in Minnesota are here ex excited about the win and about the comeback and all that stuff, but I just don't feel comfortable with it, you know? I'm happy about all this, but Jesus, when they get in the playoffs, you can't be playing like that and expect to win, and that is so Minnesota, you know? 
maybe have a good start to the season and then a shitty end and end up being mediocre. That seems to be the case with most Minnesota teams this in this day and age. You know, I'm talking about basketball, hockey, football, baseball, all of it. So I'm a little concerned that uh, the Minnesota fans are going to experience the same thing they experience almost every year. Either it's a mediocre season or they have a really good season, and the moment they get in the playoffs and they play a tough team, they get fucking hammered. Now, I like to presume the best. I like to presume the win. But as much as they've been winning this year, I I haven't seen anything that makes me feel confident. They have so many weaknesses. They've only been able to pull out some of these things by a last-minute charge or or just some luck. I mean, there was one game where they were going to lose the game, but the guy hit the fucking uprights. (laughs) You can't count that as a, 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 a substantial win. That was a little bit of luck. Anyway. I don't normally talk about sports, but this is a big story, and no doubt some of you who know that I live in Minnesota probably were wondering my take on it. It was great. It was awesome to watch the last 10 minutes. It's the previous 50 minutes that kind of sucked, but but nonetheless, the Vikings win. Uh, Am I jacked up about the playoffs now that they won the NFC North? That's a cool thing too, but do I think they're going to do great in the uh, in the playoffs? I don't. I don't fucking know. I haven't seen them play great. They play lucky. I don't know. That's enough about sports. <laughs> you got to bring it up though, for Christ's sake. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy game. All right. We're going to start out with an email, and this one comes from Eric. He just wrote an email the other day, I believe. He says, Hi, Mike. I was listening to your Friday podcast. Something hit me when you called the Trump trading card offer of dinner with Trump, etc., a sweepstakes. I could be wrong, but I'm fairly certain that a federal law requires a way to enter contests like that without purchasing anything. Just another example of Trump potentially breaking the law in public. This guy just can't help but continue to lose even when he thinks he's winning. You may be on to something there. You know, with Publishers Clearinghouse, I think there does have to be uh, something that says you don't have to buy something to be, be in the sweepstakes. Now, I don't know if this ties to what Donald Trump did or not. But that's the least of his problems at this point. Because <laughs> there's something else that comes into play here. Now, what you have to understand about Donald Trump, Donald Trump doesn't create anything these days. He doesn't build buildings. He doesn't make stakes. He doesn't have a college. Basically, what happens is some shyster will come along with a business idea and then he'll license his name and stick on it. And that's no doubt what happened with these NFTs. Somebody came along and said, hey, Donald, we'll give you a cut if you allow us to do these NFTs, you know, allow us to use your likeness. And of course, Donald Trump's all about free money and not having to do anything. So he says, sure. Unfortunately, the people he talked to about this particular project, mm, turns out they don't seem like they're the most ethical people. Now, we don't know all the details of this particular deal or everything we need to know about the actual company that's creating these NFTs and ultimately selling them. We don't know how much Donald Trump is making on the deal. Can't be a lot. If they generated four and a half million dollars on selling these. Donald Trump didn't get four and a half million dollars. He got a percentage of that. But there's another problem here that kind of just came out yesterday. And I don't think anything's been absolutely verified, but it's looking kind of fishy and may cause problems for Donald Trump and whatever money he earned. And certainly caused problems for the company that uh, created these NFTs. 
like I said, Donald Trump doesn't look into who he's dealing with. He doesn't care as long as he can self-aggrandize himself and make some money. He'll let anybody do it. I've told you this before. He's easily manipulated. All you have to do is pat him on the back, tell him he's a wonderful guy, he's a genius, and he'll let you do whatever he wants. And presumably that's what happened with these NFTs because you see the images used in Donald Trump's newly announced trading card NFT venture were seemingly taken and photoshopped from a small-scale clothing brands, and other images found online. (laughs) So basically what they did, they found bodies to cover whatever they wanted to sell with Donald Trump, the cowboy, the astronaut, the superhero, all that kind of stuff. They found that online. They put Donald Trump's face on it. And they made those the NFTs. But here's the problem. If you're going to sell a digital trading card or NFT, they've got to be an original product. Now, in some cases, you might get stock photos. And if you pay for the licensing, maybe that's legal. But it doesn't look like they do that. (laughs) Like, for example, um, there's one with him in a tuxedo. And they found a picture on Men's Warehouse, <laughs> a billionaire buying his tuxedo from Men's Warehouse. Um, and and if you look at it, you can see the, the, the suit was kind of touched up and changed, but the hands were in the same position, identical position. There's a lot of fishy things about this. And, you know, this is certainly not out of the realm of possibility for Donald Trump. This is exactly what he would do. The problem is if these aren't original um, digital pictures, he's got a problem. He's going to get fucking sued, and so is the company who made them. And then that $4 million becomes decided decidedly less, or in fact, Donald Trump and the company owe more money than they make because of the violations, the uh, copyright infringements. Now, in the announcement video, Trump appeared in a superhero costume with red laser lasers shooting out of his eyes. He also announced each NFT would sell for a whopping $99, and one lucky buyer would win the opportunity to have dinner with the former commander-in-chief at his Mar-a-Lago residence in Palm Beach, Florida. He said he was better than Lincoln, better than Washington. Trump said regarding his presidency in one portion of the announcement video, these cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to my life and my career. It's been very exciting. But while Trump offered a sneak peek at the 45,000 different digital trading cards available, the technology website Gizmodo, found that the majority of the trading cards featured in Thursday's announcement video were photoshopped using images from small clothing brands across the country. I'm sure they figured, we'll get these small clothing brands. They'll never know. Now, in one NFT featuring Trump holding a shotgun while dressed in hunting gear, the outlet found the the outfit was an exact match to waiters made by a company called Branded. <laughs> oh man, this guy can't help but step on his dick. Even more surprising was Gizmodo's finding that the address for the company behind the newly announced NFT auction, NFT International LLC, was mysteriously linked back to a UPS store in Utah. Now, NFT. International LCC's website also emphasized that the profit made from the digital Trump trading cards will not go to the embattled businessmen turned politicians newly announced 2024 presidential bid. Now, I I think the company that makes them is going to pocket most of the money. They're going to pay Donald Trump a percentage. And uh, this whole thing was a fucking scam. Oh, big surprise. Who knew that Donald Trump would be involved in a scam? See, the problem is Donald Trump is flailing here. He doesn't know what to do. He's hemorrhaging money. 
his popularity is failing, and uh, he's freaking out here a little bit. Anybody that comes along that thinks they can help him, or at least tell them, tell him that they can help, he's jumping on board because he doesn't have a lot of options anymore. So Donald Trump's NFT uh, appears to be bullshit. Uh, the fact that they Photoshop pictures from some other catalogs are the exact opposite of what NFTs are supposed to be. And uh, as this comes out in the news, I'm sure <laughs> that these small companies that will suddenly realize that they've been ripped off are certainly going to sue. It should be very fucking interesting. Oh, Donald, you're such a dumb shit. You have no fucking clue what you're doing. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy a little bit. Of course, he wants to be Speaker of the House so bad he can fucking taste it. He could end up be becoming an exclamation point in history. He could potentially be becoming the first nominee in 100 years unable to win the job on a first-round floor vote. That could really happen. We know of at least five people put together by Matt Gates who don't want to vote for um, Kevin McCarthy. Now, see, he needs 218 votes, so if you take away five votes of the total amount they have, that's under 218, and he's fucked. And so... When they take the first vote, if he doesn't pass, they'll take a second vote. They may even take a third vote. But again, if they don't elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House on that first day, it is an absolute embarrassment. Kevin McCarthy knows this, and he's starting to get a little uh, little anxious. He's seeing... Uh, What's going on is potentially dangerous, he says to the country, but really it's more about him. The increasingly real prospect of a messy fight over the Speaker's gavel on day one of the new Congress on January 3rd is worrying not only Kevin McCarthy, but all House Republicans who are bracing for the spectacle. They have been meeting endlessly in private at the Capitol trying to resolve the standoff. So it's not just Kevin McCarthy begging these people to get something done and get him voted on the first time around. And it's hard to say what these people that are looking to vote against him, what, what their end game is. Do they really believe they can get somebody else to get the 218 votes? If they do, they're being foolish because that's not the case. I think ultimately they will vote for Kevin McCarthy, he probably will become the Speaker of the House, unless the Democrats pull some shit, which is what I hope they do. But if not, somehow they'll they'll just vote him in by default because they don't want to look stupid anymore. The problem with that is these uh, far-right MAGA fucks will blackmail, leverage, whatever you want to call it, Kevin McCarthy, and he'll be holding, be beholding to those crazy fucks, which doesn't give him really any power, because the Republican Party is so split in the House of Representatives, and while the MAGA people are the loudest, they don't have the biggest numbers. So he's going to be beholding, beholden to uh, uh, the MAGAs. But the vast majority of the House will be against them. So here, here's a Speaker of the House that will have virtually no power or no control, unlike Nancy Pelosi. Now, they're taking hold of a, a perilously slim 222-seat Republican majority in the 435-member House and facing a handful of defectors. See, that's how slick it is. They need a, or slim it is. They need a 218 vote and they only have 222 seats. Now, if Matt Gates is right and he has five people that uh, are not going to vote for Kevin McCarthy, that leaves him with 217. 
and I'm sorry, that's not enough. Representative Jim Banks said this, the fear is that if we stumble out of the gate, um, then the voters who sent the Republicans to Washington will revolt over that and they will feel let down. Well, they should feel fucking let down. But you guys constantly are talking about all the things you're going to do, but you never do it. So they're going to be let down regardless. Not since the uh, disputed election of 1923 as a candidate for House Speaker faced the public scrutiny of convening a new session of Congress, only to have it descend into political chaos with one vote after another until a new Speaker is chosen. Now, at the time, it eventually took a grueling nine ballots to secure the gavel. McCarthy, a Republican from Bakersfield, California, who was first elected in 2006 and who remains allied with Donald Trump, has signaled he's willing to go as long as it takes in a floor vote to secure the speaker's job, something he's wanted for years and years. He's all about the power. Now, the former president has endorsed McCarthy and is said to be making calls on McCarthy's behalf. We'll talk about that in a moment. But this is a really bad situation. Now, when I tell you that the Republicans, while they have a slim majority, they don't really have any power, this is a prime example of that. These dumb fuckers can't come together and elect a Speaker of the House. How are they going to do any governing or any legislation? They're not going to. They're just not going to. They're going to have problems all along the way. They're going to be fighting amongst themselves on every single thing they do. Now, the dilemma reflects not just McCarthy's uncertain stature among his peers, but also the shifting political norms in Congress as party leaders who once wielded immense power. With what happened in the midterms, political norms are starting to adjust. There are people, like I said, trying to step away from the MAGA groups, and that's going to cause the division in the House of Representatives. Rank-and-file lawmakers have become political stars on their own terms. They're able to shape their brands on social media and raise their own money for campaigns. House members are less reliant than they once were on the party leaders to dole out favors in exchange for support. Yeah, that's what social media has done. I mean, if you think back over the years, some of you older folks, I bet you couldn't even fucking name half the representatives that were in office while we were young. Question is, does Kevin McCarthy want to go down as the first speaker candidate in 100 years to go to the floor and have to essentially, you know, give ups? But if he pulls this rabbit out of the hat, you know, he may actually have more of the right stuff. Republicans met in private this past week for another lengthy session as McCarthy's detractors, largely a handful of conservatives from the Freedom Caucus, demand changes to House rules that would diminish the power of the Speaker's office. See, that's the catch. They're basically saying, okay, Kev, you want to be Speaker of the House, then uh, um, here's the deal. You're going to have to bend to some of our demands. Now, one of those demands is kind of interesting because what this demand basically says is that any point, if they're not happy with the Speaker of the House, they can just vote them out. Uh, no confidence vote or whatever you want to call it. They can just do that. Well, that's not good because every time something comes around and the vast majority of the Republicans want to do one thing, but the MAGAs want to do fucking something else, they're going to have Kevin McCarthy hanging on a lead and they're going to yank that motherfucker and say, you need to go with us which is not a good move when most of your party don't want to go that way. So Kevin's in a tough spot. He really wants to be Speaker of the House. But in order to become Speaker of the House, he may have to bend over for the MAGAs. 
and then he has virtually no power. Like, like I said, what they want to do is they want to strip away some of the power of the Speaker of the House. And the Speaker of the House has a lot of par- power. They want to strip that away so that MAGA can control the House of Representatives for the Republicans. And Kevin McCarthy isn't going to be real happy with being the Speaker of the House but not having power. Now, he may be just as um, as hungry for power as uh, the... He may be as hungry for power where he's willing to do that. But uh, again, it's just going to go back to what I said. It's just going to weaken the Republicans in the uh, House of Representatives. Now, as I was pointing out, Donald Trump is, of course, ranting on truth social. He's flailing because he doesn't know what to do. Um uh, he he screamed out and he called out for the FBI and the Department of Justice to be dealt with as the U.S. is apparently dying of cancer. That's what Donald Trump said. The entire U.S. is dying of cancer. No, Donald, you're the one that's dying. You'd like it to be the country so that you could be the hero, but you don't have the wherewithal to be a fucking hero. You can't do it. In one Saturday post, the former president accused Twitter and the FBI of having a wild and crazy relationship. What does that mean? Does that mean that uh, Twitter and FBI were in cahoots? You mean like Donald Trump and the Russians back in 2016 and 2020? And he's saying that connection, that... that, uh, situation where Twitter and FBI were in cahoots, influenced the 2020 election. This guy cannot give it up that he lost the 2020 election. Dude, you lost by 7 million votes. It wasn't Twitter or the FBI. And, of course, he goes on to support those people, quote, unquote, protesting in Washington. And, of course, he's talking about January 6th. In the insurrection. He's still trying to sell us on the fact that it was just peaceful protest. Yeah, tell the 150 cops that were injured or the cops that died. So he's saying that the reason January 6th happened, seeing he's trying to smooth that over a little bit, was because of the Twitter and FBI connection. He said, our 2020 presidential election was crooked, rigged, and stolen, and yet the unselect committee of political hacks and thugs didn't spend any time investigating this outrage, Trump wrote. Well, Donald, here's the deal. It's been to court 60 times. There's been all kinds of investigations, and not one shred of evidence has been found that suggests the election in 2020 was stolen. That's why there's no fucking investigation, you stupid son of a bitch. Now, in a follow-up message, the former president declared the country will die if the weaponized thugs in the FBI and Department of Justice are not dealt with. Well, Donald, I wondered what you think um, should be done. Do you think maybe another insurrection? Do you think that's what we need to do? Do you think we need to attack Uh, The FBI and the unselect committee. I love that. He always says that, the unselect committee as opposed to the select committee. And he thinks that's a devastating slam. He's like a fucking child. He goes on to say, our country is sick inside, very much like a person dying of cancer. The crooked FBI, the so-called Department of Justice and Intelligence, all parts of the Democratic Party and system is the cancer. These weaponized thugs and tyrants must be dealt with. Our once great and beautiful country will die, Trump posted. Remember what I told you, how he would uh, um, he would say virtually anything and, and his quotes would get crazier? Now, Trump's message follows reports that the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th committee 
is considering, of course, multiple criminal referrals to send to the Justice Department. On top of this, Trump is also facing a criminal investigation into whether he mishandled classified documents. He goes on to say, remember, the Democrats' policies are destroying our country. Really? Please explain how. They stink. (laughs) Disinformation and weaponization of justice is all they've got, but someday it will all come back to haunt them. Just like old Donnie Trump is going to be back in office at some point. Now, in addition to this, as I mentioned earlier, Donald Trump is going to the Republicans, the MAGA Republicans specifically, and really pushing for them to support Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. And, of course, these are the people that don't want to support him. So Donald Trump is begging them to support Kevin McCarthy, and the question is, why would he do that? Well, it's pretty simple. Kevin McCarthy is the one person in Congress that Donald Trump still has in his pocket. Even the MAGA folks, the crazy folks, are trying to step away from Donald Trump, especially after this little NFT thing, because he's becoming an embarrassment. So Donald Trump needs Kevin McCarthy still in the House of Representatives and as Speaker of the House because he still has a friend in some power. You can't look to Mitch McConnell anymore because Mitch McConnell has pretty much walked away and Donald Trump has called him every name in the book. So Mitch McConnell's out. He has no friends in the Senate, especially now since the Democrats have the majority. So he's trying to save Kevin McCarthy, but I don't know that Donald Trump can even save Kevin McCarthy. Most of the Republicans aren't looking at Donald Trump as an asset. He is a liability now. So whatever endorsement Donald Trump might give Kevin McCarthy may hurt him more than help him. The point is, when we come to January 3rd and they have to vote, the Republicans have to vote for a Speaker of the House, it's going to be tough. It's not going to be like when Nancy Pelosi was elected or previous Speakers of the House. This is going to be a war. They're going to either have to have multiple multiple elections, and it will be the first time that ever happened in a 100 years. Or Kevin McCarthy is going to have to give in and give the MAGA fucks whatever they want, and that amounts to lessening the power of the Speaker of the House so they have control. He'll have to do that in order to get his position. It's a no-win situation from Kevin McCarthy, and I don't feel sorry for Kevin McCarthy because he put himself in this very position. It's his fault that he is where he is now. Under normal circumstances, he could have probably been elected Speaker of the House pretty easily. But as I've said before, all along the way, he continues to fuck up. The whole January 6th committee and what he did and didn't do there really fucked the Republicans. And we're going to find out how badly he fucked the Republicans on Monday. So when the January 6th committee comes out with their final presentation and all their evidence, this isn't going to make it better for Kevin McCarthy. In fact, it might make it worse. So Kevin McCarthy is hanging by a thread. He seems to be the heir apparent But there's a lot of people that don't see it, don't feel it, aren't going to vote for him. And after what's revealed this next week, it may get even worse for that motherfucker. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Now, it's not just the House of Representatives where the Republicans are struggling. They're having all kinds of problems. 
And it's not surprising given the fact they have no platform, they have no policies, they don't do anything but attempt to own the libtards. Eventually, that comes back to haunt you, and it is haunting them now. In addition to what's going on in the House with Kevin McCarthy, they also have problems with the Republican National Committee. Yeah, this is uh, Ronna McDaniel, Ronna Romney McDaniel, Mitt Romney's niece, who is head of the RNC, uh, is having some problems, struggling to unify the National Committee after another disappointing election, the midterms, of course. And uh, it's being consumed by an increasingly nasty leadership fight as the GOP navigates its delicate relationship with former Donald Trump, former President Donald Trump. See, that's the thing is, when's the last time you heard about a contentious election uh, to lead the RNC? I mean, fuck, I didn't even know uh, Ronna McDaniel was the RNC chair until halfway through Donald Trump's fucking administration. Now, with a vote for RNC chair not scheduled until late January, the public feud is likely to get worse before it gets better. I mean, we will have already gone through the uh, the House elections, and whatever happens there isn't necessarily going to make it easier for the RNC. Longtime RNC member Ron Kaufman says it'll be ugly as hell for a while. And I'm here for it, man. The more difficulty the Republicans have in trying to unify, the better for the Democrats. The family fight to lead the party has been largely overshadowed for national attention by the equally contentious struggle with the Speaker of the House situation, as I talked about. But both of these kind of represent critical selections as the GOP works to overcome six years of electoral underperformance heading into another presidential election. Now, the Republicans' uh, political arm, the RNC, will raise, spend hundreds of millions of dollars in building or rebuilding the party's framework, which they've got a lot of work to do. I mean, frankly, there is no framework. They have done nothing for six years, literally nothing. And anything that was done by Congress, they voted against. So what do they use to look for support? Look look at all we've done for you. Well, you've done fucking nothing. And uh, when you have a bad election, like in the midterms, and you accomplish nothing, that's a bit problematic. So Ronna McDaniel is the chairperson of the RNC. She is Trump's hand-picked choice to lead the committee. And as I said, the niece of Utah Senator Mitt Romney, she is running for a fourth consecutive term. But the 49-year-old is facing uh, a little discontent from Trump's MAGA movement, even as the former president stays silent on this one. Now, he is supporting Kevin McCarthy, but he hasn't said anything about Ronna McDaniel. And, you know, being the head of the RNC or a leader in the House of Representatives, um, and you have a bad election, and the polls are bad. It's like being a coach of a football team. Somebody's got to get fired, and it's probably the leader, probably the head coach. In this case, it's Ronna McDaniel, head of the RNC. What happened in the last election was a uh, an absolute failure. So do you rehire somebody who's been an absolute failure? <laughs> I don't think so. Now, in an interview, McDaniel said she notified Trump of her intention to seek another term, but did not explicitly ask for his support. Why did she notify him? He's a fucking private citizen now. He's not president of the United States. He holds no power. But this goes back to what we've always said. He's their Lord and Savior. He's calling the shots here. Every time somebody says to me, why are you still talking about Donald Trump? Well, because Donald Trump is still controlling the Republican Party. He's losing his grip, yes, but he's still got a pretty solid hold on the Republican Party, at least for the moment. She said she didn't think it would be appropriate to be asking for any endorsements, given that the party rules require the RNC to remain neutral 
in the next presidential election. Now, McDaniel um, kind of backed off when asked whether she wanted Trump's support. She said, I think the most important support right now is the members, she said. These are the leaders in the party, the grassroots leaders. Now, there are a couple people competing with her. One is California attorney Harmeet Dillon. He's emerged as a MAGA favorite to challenge McDaniel, who secured commitments from more than 100 of the RNC's 168 voting members earlier this month. Now, Dillon is working aggressively to peel away some of the support ahead of the formal vote at next month's annual winter meeting. Dillon said she also notified Trump of her candidacy in a brief phone call shortly before she made her attentions public this month. See, how crazy is that? And and how does this prove that Donald Trump still controls the Republican Party? These people are going to be running for the chairperson of uh, the RNC, and they got to call Donald Trump. Mr. Shitty McShitpants sitting down in Mar-a-Lago waiting to be indicted. And they have to get his approval to run to be the head of the Republican National Committee. Apparently, uh, Harmeet Dillon did not explicitly ask for his endorsement either, although she said the president didn't discourage her from challenging McDaniel. Now, Dylan had a law firm that earned more than $400,000 representing Trump and his political organizations in 2022. She said she would leave her law practice if elected chair. The 53-year-old California attorney who was born in India also vowed to remain independent in what is expected to be a crowded 2024 presidential primary contest. You really believe that? Are the Republicans ever uh, independent? They always have a bandwagon to jump on, and they fucking do. It's always a gamed situation with the Republicans. Now, the one person that wasn't mentioned in this little contest, and it's probably because no one can possibly take it seriously, but also... Mike Lindell has said that he's going to run for the leadership in the RNC. Now, he has little or no fucking chance. Of course, if you hear him talk, he sounds like he's got it in the bag. Ronald McDaniel probably won't win. This MAGA fuck probably will win. Mike Lindell will be embarrassed again. It's as simple as that. Mike Lindell is the biggest fucking joke we've seen. He always claims to have facts. He always claims to have evidence. We never see any of it. He says things that make him look stupid. I mean, that's just the way it is for Mike Lindell. He may be running for the chairmanship of the RNC, but he won't even be an afterthought. He won't get any kind of support at all. If they are embarrassed by Donald Trump right now, and of course they are, they'll be far more embarrassed by somebody like Mike Lindell, and frankly, they're probably a little tired of being fucking embarrassed. Now let's talk about something else that's kind of embarrassing. Not so much in the way of politics, but I guess it is to a certain extent. Twitter CEO Elon Musk Mr. Super Genius, who seems to be dumb as fuck, said he has lifted the suspension imposed on several journalist accounts on the platform earlier this week after participants in a poll he posted called for the accounts to be restored immediately. You see, Elon Musk is a lot like Donald Trump. He doesn't think about what he's doing. He reacts. He's emotional about it. These um, journalist spoke out against him, and of course he sees them as the enemy when they do that. So he immediately suspends them, okay? In spite of the fact that he was the one claiming that uh, he's a big supporter of free speech. 
Apparently, he meant free speech as long as that speech isn't pointed negatively at him. But he did exactly what Donald Trump would do in this situation. He makes a dumb decision. He puts it out there, stands strong because he knows everything. And then when the heat gets a little hot, he backs off and he folds up and dies. That is the essence of every fucking bully you ever run into. You give them a little pushback and they fold. Now, he's claiming there was a poll that said the count should be restored immediately. I don't know if that's a legitimate poll or if there was any poll at all, but that's what he says. And now these um, journalists that he was so confident and sure of being suspended are now back up and running. That was a stupid move in the first place for a guy who said he's all about free speech for a guy who does something like this, and it looks like, you know, he's just afraid to hear any negative comments on him. It made him look bad. And had he any foresight, he would have known that before he suspended these people. But instead of thinking about it, rationalizing it out, he decided, I'm just going to react. I'm going to shut him down. I'm the boss. I can do fucking anything. Yeah, you're the boss and you can do anything, but you're running Twitter into the ground, one of the most powerful apps in the world, and you're turning it into a weak-ass shit show. People are leaving by the dozens or hundreds or thousands. You've got uh, sponsors leaving. This thing, when he bought it, he paid $44 billion for Twitter. The current value of Twitter is under $8 billion. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but when you pay $44 billion for something, and then within a few months, it's now worth $8 billion, that doesn't sound like a good investment to me. Again, I'm just a small-town guy, small-time guy, sitting in my living room doing a fucking podcast. So what the fuck do I know? So he claims he took this poll. He says, the people have spoken. Accounts who doxed my location will have their suspension lifted now. See, he's not even going to admit that he was wrong. He was saying, this is how good a guy I am, in spite of the fact they doxed my location, which they did not do. He's going to put them back because that's what the people want. The results of the poll showed that about 59% of Twitter users who voted favored lifting the suspension now, while about 41% said they should be lifted in seven days. I mean, see, that's, that's the one thing I think a lot of people didn't understand. This wasn't a permanent ban. This was a suspension. So why everybody got worked up about it, I'm not altogether sure. Now, most of the suspended accounts have been unlocked, but the account for Insider's Lynette Lopez was still suspended as of Saturday afternoon. Now, in spite of the fact he says, well, there's a poll and the people have spoken, he got a huge backlash from commentators on both sides of the political aisle, some politicians and journalists over the accounts being blocked. But Steve Herman, the chief national correspondent for The Voice of America and one of the journalists whose accounts was suspended, told uh, the press that Musk's tweet was misleading. Oh, well, that's a big surprise. He said he was allowed he was only allowed to remove the offending tweets or uh, or file an appeal against the suspension. He, He said he appealed and his entire Twitter account was blocked. So you think this was retribution, not having anything to do with freedom of speech? Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Herman said he previously could see other tweets, but not direct messages or notifications. He said he can no longer see his timeline. So appealing puts one in a deeper level of purgatory. So um, Elon says, well, you can always appeal it. And, you know, I run into that, too, on Twitter when some Trump LaFuck tries to take down one of my videos. I appeal it within about five minutes. It's backed up. It's just a bunch of shit. But when 
people were suspended on Twitter and they appealed it, then they got completely shut down. That's who we're dealing with when it comes to Elon Musk. He says he's all about free speech, uh, but he's not really. Representative Lori Trahan, a Democrat from Massachusetts, tweeted on Thursday that Musk had just told her team that the platform would not retaliate against journalists who published criticism of him on Twitter shortly before the accounts were suspended. So he says, no, I'm not going to do that, but then he does it. Does that sound familiar to you? Donald Trump, oh, we're not going to do that. And then the next thing you know, they do it. It's all about trying to gaslight the people. There are certain people out there that will hear a claim like that and just believe it and won't be smart enough or motivated enough to actually look into what they actually do. Now, Musk has claimed that the journalists were providing personal information about his location that amounted to assassination coordinates. Oh, we think we're pretty important, (laughs) Elon. I got to think, if there were assassination plots out there, Elon wouldn't be in the top hundred. Hopefully there are none, and hopefully there will be no attempts. But Elon, I think you're giving yourself a little too much credit. I don't think anybody wants to take you out. Nobody cares. Everybody will just evacuate Twitter and you will be left with a fucking shell of an app that was one point popular. So he keeps telling everybody, well, they're doxing my information. (laughs) Nobody doxed you. Everything that anybody put out was publicly available. They just pulled it together so people could see it in an easier format. What Elon Musk was claiming was not happening. And he got caught, he got backlash, and he backed off, just like every bully does when they are called out. Now, speaking of Twitter, you remember when Elon reinstated Donald Trump and a bunch of other people, and he's bringing all these people back? At first, he didn't bring back MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, but... Lindell's Twitter account has been restored after almost two years of being permanently suspended. And it was just about his unfounded claims of widespread voter fraud in 2020's presidential election. You know, the one where he's got all that evidence, but uh, for whatever reason, nobody's ever seen said evidence. So he gets back on Twitter and Mike Lindell writes, I'm back. Thank you at Elon Musk. And by the way, melt down the electronic voting machines and turn them into prison bars, Lindell tweeted on Friday. So what does Mike Lindell do? (laughs) He starts right up as soon as he's reinstated and start making tweets that were the same kind of tweets that got him suspended in the first place. Now, Elon Musk is suspending journalists, but is he going to suspend Mike Lindell? No, of course not. Now, his account was uh, was originally suspended back in January of 2021 following the repeated violations of Twitter's civic integrity policy under the company's former leadership. Now, of course, we know <laughs> that Elon Musk disbanded the civic integrity group for Twitter. So apparently there is no need for civic integrity on Twitter anymore. Now, of course, Lindell still supports Donald Trump and backed his false claims that 2020 election was stolen. Lindell is the most recent in a line of several notable public figures who accounts have been unfrozen. Uh, The other one is Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is uh, uh, repeatedly violating rules on Twitter, especially with COVID-19. She's been offline, at least as far as Twitter goes, for some time. And, of course, Trump, whose account was banned in the aftermath of the insurrection, has said he does not plan to return to Twitter. Is he pouting? No, he's not pouting. 
he's got a contract with True Social, and um, they won't allow him to go on Twitter. And that kind of makes sense because that would kind of shoot True Social in the ass. Not, not that they haven't already been shot in the ass. I mean, this company and this app is probably six to eight months away from being non-existent anyway. And then, of course, Donald Trump, if he's still able, will probably hop on Twitter at that point. Now, Arizona Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, who was also back Trump's false claims of voter fraud in 2020 election, praised Lindell's return to tweeting. Greatest tweet ever. The tweet I just read you. She said, that's the greatest tweet ever. Welcome back. We missed you. Now, of course, Carrie Lake claims there was more election fraud in Arizona, and uh, she had a um, an election for the governorship taken away from her. But she keeps ranting and raving and filing lawsuits, and it's kind of funny because nobody's really paying attention to her at all. Nobody really fucking cares what she's claiming. Now, had this been 2020 and she could have jumped in the fray and got on board with everybody else, uh, maybe she would have gotten some traction, but she is getting zero traction now. Still, I hear people like Carrie Lake and the people that support Carrie Lake that, oh, it's coming, it's coming, (laughs) Carrie Lake will be made governor, and then Donald Trump will be put back in the Oval Office. Come on, fuck, we've been hearing this for two years You haven't got one step closer to that. It's all QAnon bullshit. And we're fucking tired of hearing it. We're absolutely fucking tired of hearing it. Let's get off local or U.S. politics. I want to talk about another fuck who is uh, Donald Trump's lover. Or so he says. I'm talking about Kim Jong-un, of course. And it seems North Korea fired a pair of ballistic missiles on Sunday toward its eastern waters. It's the first weapons test in a month and coming two days after a claim to have performed a key test needed to build a more mobile, powerful, intercontinental ballistic missile designed to strike the U.S. mainland. Now, some people might be fearful of this and might be upset and scared but but the thing about it is, is what Kim Jong-un is doing here is he's saying, you're not paying attention to me. You're not paying attention to me, so I'm going to do something to scare you. Well, Kim, nobody's fucking scared of you. You're a shithole little country, and you're trying to garner some attention. And this is where Donald Trump fucked up. He gave him that attention, thinking that he was doing something. Well, he was doing something, but not for the U.S. government. He was doing it in benefit to North Korea and Kim Jong-un. That's why past presidents just kind of ignore him. He's not really a threat. He talks a great talk, but half the shit he does doesn't work. And uh, if he was ever to be in a position to actually do something, it wouldn't last very long. Something would happen to Kim Jong-un or something would happen to North Korea. The only downside to going after North Korea is South Korea. South Korea is a friend of ours and a friend to many in the world. If you go after North Korea with something nuclear or whatever, it's going to have fallout into South Korea. So Kim Jong-un has a little bit of security in that regard. South Korea's military detected the launch of the two North Korean ballistic missiles from its northwest area. The missiles flew across the country toward its eastern waters, South Korea's Joint Chiefs of Staff said in a statement. And clearly, you know, if I'm in South Korea, I'm worried about this shit because this dumb fuck doesn't know how to do anything. Who knows? Maybe it's supposed to go over the country and land in the waters. Great. But if it happens to land in South Korea because they miscalculated, well, then that poses some problems. 
Now, it's, they're saying that the missiles were fired about 50 minutes apart but gave no further details. There's no indication of precisely what type of weapons North Korea fired and how far they actually flew. You know, whatever Kim Jong-un is saying is probably a lie, like his uh, lover Donald Trump. The Joint Chiefs of Staff said South Korea's military has bolstered its surveillance posture and maintains a readiness in close coordination with the United States. Now, for South Korea to be right next door to North Korea is akin to one of us living right next door to a Trumplefuck. You don't know what they're going to do, but you do know that they don't know what they're fucking doing. They can try to do all these things, But if they fuck it up, somebody's likely to get hurt. We need to put North Korea and Kim Jong-un in their place. And the fact of the matter is they don't have a place. They're not important. Kim Jong-un does what he does with these missile tests and all this stuff to do one or two things. To try to scare people and to get attention. He is desperate for attention. This country is weak. It's poor. Its people are struggling. Kim Jong-un is wealthy, but his country is run poorly. The attitudes of people in North Korea aren't good. I don't know if they like Kim Jong-un or not. They might because they've been brainwashed to do so. But the fact of the matter is North Korea is kind of a uh, kind of a gnat, you know? And to give them the attention that Donald Trump did gave them some power, and that's why we're seeing what's happening now. They gave him a little hope. Donald Trump gave him hope with his love letters and all of this stuff. And now that Donald Trump is gone, they want to be able to say, Kim Jong-un wants to be able to say, hey, we're over here, we're still fucking dangerous, watch us. Now, fuck North Korea. They can claim they have nuclear weapons. We don't know if that's even true. As far as we know, they aren't at the point where they can put together an intercontinental ballistic missile with nuclear warhead on it. We don't know that they're at that point. It's possible down the road. But I'm sure there's things that the U.S. government and all of NATO can do to shut that fucking place down quick, fast, and in a hurry. They don't have anything. They're trying to play off of what Russia does. Russia's kind of in a similar situation. Their country is is failing economically. The people, the morale of the people in Russia and in North Korea is weak. We've got these crazy leaders that are trying to play bully and try to scare people. And for a while, it's, it, it's worked, but that seems to be wearing off now. That doesn't seem to be working as well as it once did, especially now that uh, Putin went into Ukraine and uh, didn't walk through there in three days like he expected he would. He's losing that war. And North Korea is a similar kind of paper tiger. They want to rattle sabers, but when it comes down to actually doing something, they aren't really in a position to do it. And again, thanks Donald Trump for giving them a little power. We need to disregard them, focus on those things that are important, and keep this world safe. And if North Korea wants to fuck around and find out, they will have every NATO country in the world coming down on them economically and uh, even militarily. It wouldn't take much at all. So I talked about North Korea here. I won't talk about them again because they're kind of inconsequential at this point. And I know there's a lot of people out there going to say, well, they've got nuclear weapons and they're going to bomb us. No, that's what they want us to think. Fucking forget about North Korea. We've got big things going on in this country that we have to fix first, and then we can worry about North Korea. 
Anyhow, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Tony Michaels should be on the show tomorrow, so that'll be a really good show. And then on um, later on Monday, we will uh, be looking at what's going on with the J6 committee and talking about whatever they announce. So you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.